Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Rachel. We're the creators of Plant School. Rachel's going to be teaching me, a plant novice, everything I need to know about plants, plant care, and gardening, all in a way that anyone can understand. Yeah, whether you have never touched a plant or you consider yourself an expert and you want to just learn more, this podcast is for you. And though it sounds simple, there's actually a lot to cover. So what are you waiting for? Join Join us us in in Plant plant School. School. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are interviewing Clint Lewis. He works at Orchard Orchid Dynasty. There we go. We're starting off strong here um, with pronouncing Orchid. Uh, so Orchid Dynasty is a local shop to Salt Lake City, Utah, which is local to me. They specialize in orchids. And I've never owned an orchid, so I have a lot of questions for Clint oh, today. Yeah. And yeah, so just be ready for that, Clint. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so just out of personal curiosity and to get us started, how did you get into this job? How did you get involved with the world of orchids? Um, yeah, um, it's it's actually a very small world, really. Um, now, you know, I just started with uh, having my first orchid in the 90s, um, I'd say mid 90s. Um, I had a grandmother who always showed an appreciation for nature and um, she would always point things out to me um, on hikes. I would go on these hikes with her, you know, outdoor here in the mountain West. And there was always that, that instilled love of nature, um, but and an appreciation, but I never really got into plants until Really, I mean, we had them around our household growing up, of course, and and I'd have to do the watering of them as part of, you know, chores around the house as any kid. But I never got a real appreciation until I was in uh, my early 20s. And I, I saw an orchid and I just said, what is that? It was just, it was just amazing. Um, and soon from there, I um, began to collect orchids and... Uh, really had a passion for trying to understand where they were from, how they grow. Um, it, it probably helps me quite a bit because I'm, I'm also, I've also got a huge fascination with history and, and anthropology and people and orchids have been intertwined in so many societies throughout, throughout man, you know, mankind for, for centuries. Um, so it's always fascinating to me that um, these exotic plants from all over the world, um, 
you know, the largest group of flowering plants in the entire world with, you know, huge amount of diversity um, that we grow these as ornamental plants. Um, but there's this, any orchid grower will tell you there's this like inner kind of like thing you feel, just like the way that anybody who grows, say, aeroids or Hoya or anything like that, um, you just get this, this feeling behind it. Um, and then, so anyways, I had it, had it as a hobby. Um, and then, um, so who became my wife? Um, her name is Shelly, Shelly Wynn. She um, was always a florist and she'd been a florist since the 90s. And um, we just decided, you know, it would be great if, you know, we were both working jobs we didn't like. Um, it would be great if we could combine both her being a florist and my love of plants and primarily orchids um, into a business. And so we, st we started Orchid Dynasty in 2001. Um, in fact, we're celebrating our 20 year anniversary for the shop um, here in May, just in two months. Wow, congrats. Um, yeah, thanks. Um, and from that point, it just kind of snowballed. You know, we, um, I, I really delved very, very deep into it. Um, I became a, a, a student in, in the American Orchid Society judging program. Um, you know, participated, we've, we participate still to this day in, in uh, national and international orchid shows. Um, but still just at the, at the root of it, I just love plants. I love talking about plants. I love talking about orchids with people, showing them the diversity in orchids. Um, every day, somebody sees something that they never thought was an orchid and I, you know, I get to explain that to them. So yeah, that's in, in a nutshell. Yeah, and, and here we are, you know, 25 years later of growing orchids and I still have that same passion for them. Wow, that's amazing. And it, I, I love that because the way I found out that you and Orchid Dynasty existed was I asked a local plant page, you know, oh, what yeah. questions do you guys have? And I think there were two or three people that mentioned you specifically. And so I think your love of orchids really shows because they mentioned how they love talking to you and how knowledgeable you were about oh. orchids. So I was like, I got to get this guy on the podcast. So, yeah, yeah, that means I'm, I'm doing my job then. That's good. That's good <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, most definitely. And okay, you mentioned that you, you know more about orchid history. You're interested, you know, in the yeah. anthropology side of them. Could you tell me more about that? Because that's one of like, my favorite things to research is the history behind plants yeah. and how yeah. they came about. It, yeah, um, I'm interested in in plants in general and with that aspect. You know, it's fat. You know, what's super fascinating to me is always seeing um, really old photographs or old movies. Let's say like old black and white movies, and there's there's a palm in the corner or something. Mm -hmm. And I think this is this movie's from the 1930s. What were they growing as house plants in the 1930s? I mean, that, that, that kind of thing is fascinating to me. Um, but, you know, digging a little deeper, um, you know, especially in the countries where, where these orchids are from, um, you know, most of the orchids we're going to be discussing or, or that I focus on are tropical uh, mm -hmm. orchids. So there's orchids on every continent. There's 22 native species to the state of Utah. Um, and we're, we're a desert state. Um, we actually have uh, like 20 more species than the state of Hawaii does. So, I mean, if you just kind of think about that, they're, they're really, really old plants, um, prehistoric plants. Um, and, but, but indigenous societies have been growing these plants, um, whether um, primarily, you know, if not ornamentally, then um, primarily for uh, medicine or um, really 
really practical purposes. There are, you know, tribes in Papua New Guinea that grow a species of dendrobium orchids, or they harvest these species that grow there naturally just for the fibers that the that, that their foliage produce, um, that the, the canes produce, and they weave them into baskets and weave them into clothing. And um, they use the flowers as herbs and, you know, to for all kinds of ailments. Um, uh, China, the, the Chinese have been growing orchids for medicinal purposes to this day. There are, there are actual um, supplements that you, you could go to a supplement store right now and I guarantee you could find something that has an orchid in it, um, you know, orchid flowers in it um, for a, a medicinal purpose. Um, and then ornamentally, um, you know, the Chinese have been growing them for centuries, um, different species of cymbidium and, and uh, uh, slipper orchids and um, the Japanese have the famous Neophonetia falcata, which is a, we call it the samurai orchid. It's been in cultivation since at least the 1400s. Um, um, and then, you know, you, you bring in, so you bring in these, cul these cultures and these people who've been growing these native plants to their, their regions. And then, you know, you bring in the, primarily the Victorian era Europeans who were in search of, of, anything medicinal or of any type of monetary value, um, you know, going to these far off places like South America and um, Southeast Asia. And, you know, they would send an explorer into the jungle to find new plants and new, you know, cause they were discovering new medicines and, and, and new things um, in the jungles and they would come across orchids and they, they'd never seen anything like this. And, um, they would kind of at first start collecting these as, as, as ornamentals, you know, when they were, maybe they were looking for rubber or, you know, something um, out in some jungle and, and uh, they would see these other plants because the people who were going out there collecting these, they had a knowledge of plants, you know, uh, Victorian mm -hmm. era knowledge of plants, but they were out there looking for the same way that they, you know, in South America would have come across, you know, um, different species of whatever, uh, or a, uh, anthurium and, you know, things like that. They would have said, what is this? You know, it, has, it doesn't have any practical value to us, but it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so they would start collecting these. And, and a lot of times they would collect them as packing material for the more valuable plants to them. And they would use, because they would use other plants as packing material in crates. And then the person unboxing the crates was also into heart horticulture and into into plants because they were in charge of growing these plants when they got back to Europe um, whether it be France or Denmark or Germany or or England or or wherever um, and they would unpack these crates and they would say huh what is this plant I've never seen a plant that looks like this let's try and grow it and they would try and grow them and then they would flower and then you know it started this huge Victorian era orchid craze where these people might have been in the past going there for more practical purposes, but now they were going there to, to look for specifically for orchids. Um, you know, people died looking for orchids. Um, people also ravaged, you know, the environment looking for orchids. There's, there's a lot of uh, interesting, I mean, we, we decimated landscapes and, and completely extinct certain species of plants looking for them. So they're, they're intertwined with, you know, humankind um, for centuries. The, the, the Greeks, um, the, so the word orchid comes from orchis, O-R-C-H-I-S, which is a Greek word, which, which actually means testicles. 
believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And the reason it means that is because the, the first orchids that were described were terrestrial orchids um, that had, you know, two tubers in the ground that resembled uh, the namesake. And uh, the, the, there's countries still to this day that use those tubers and they grind them and make them into desserts. Um, ice cream in Turkey is made from orchid bulbs. So they intertwine throughout mankind and, and, and society, whether ornamentally or for some other reason for forever. So that, it's super fascinating. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea, but, you know, orchids are such a unique and diverse flower. I can only imagine that it's, you know, captured the interest throughout the year. So that's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah um, not just the flowers either. They're the morphology of the plant structure is it's mind-blowing the, the the shapes and you know people have their have a certain thing in their mind that what an orchid is it's usually based off of just you know rudimentary knowledge of what they've seen as an orchid and um the minute you think you know what an orchid is shaped like it'll show you that there's something different so pretty <laughs> fascinating. so in your opinion are orchids an easy or a hard plant um, for someone to care for in their home like would you recommend it for a beginner yes um now that being said you know like we've already discussed a little bit here huge diversity in orchids mm -hmm. there are many orchids that i would say this is not a good home orchid um no matter the climate really mm -hmm. that you live in um there are some orchids that I would say, you know, there's, there's a few different ways that we actually grow orchids in respect to like the container we're growing them in. So there might be an orchid that in a pot is a, is a good windowsill orchid outside of a pot. There's a lot of orchids that we grow since they're epiphytes, they grow up in the canopies of trees. We grow them on pieces of wood, of, of dense wood. And there, there's going to be orchids that say, you could not grow this mounted on a piece of wood in your home. It's, you're going to struggle, <laughs> but you could grow it in the pot. So with that being said, yeah, there are hundreds and hundreds of good house orchids. I've seen wonderful, you do not have to have a greenhouse. Um, gotcha. now, now having a greenhouse or some people will get into doing terrariums, um, small or large terrariums can greatly expand what you can grow. That's for sure. Um, it will also cut down on things like, like all of us plant people understand, which is the time involved in watering. Um, you know, when you have a greenhouse or terrarium and watering is, is easier, it's easier to keep up higher, higher levels of humidity. Um, but there are hundreds of orchids that we could grow on a windowsill. The number one thing to consider, just like any other plant is light levels. That is number one, light drives all growth. And so we, we've got to consider light levels. Um, what we would first recommend in a home is going to be a south or west facing window. It would kind of go um, around here, we call it SWEN, S-W-E-N, <laughs> South, West, East, North. Those are the, those, for all plants, those are what we actually recommend as first through fourth choices for growing plants. So if you've got, if you've got a nice, bright South window, slightly obstructed, you could imagine like a sheer curtain in front of a South window, you know, the same kind of light that you're growing a lot of your house plants well in, um, you could grow orchids. Okay. That's good to know. And is there like any certain species that you, like you recommend for someone that comes in, who's never had an orchid before? Sure. Um, what people think of as a, of an orchid and 
you know, people, when they, when they just get into uh, plants and, and uh, they kind of under, or they first learn about orchids, they speak of orchids as this monotypic thing, like it's, it's one thing and it's, it's far from that. And what they usually see, and, and it's primarily because what they see now are Phalaenopsis. Mm-hmm. And um, we see Phalaenopsis now, there's a bunch of reasons why we see them in the marketplace now. And it's kind of a, kind of a long story why, but we, we, when I first started growing orchids, that's not what you saw. That's not hundred percent of what you saw in the marketplace. So Phalaenopsis have really good attributes as far as a flowering plant and the flowering orchid. They're very stable plants. They have very long lasting flowers. They need moderate light levels. Um, uh, the foliage itself is, is all, all, a lot of orchids are, are technically succulents. Mm-hmm. And so um, even Phalaenopsis that come from a tropical region, they've got those thick leaves so they can go longer periods of time without water. Um, so there's really lots of good attributes that, that, that make Phalaenopsis a great plant. It's also a good beginner orchid. Um, I would probably, after Phalaenopsis, and there's thousands of hybrids right now with Phalaenopsis. Um, I, I, I think back to when we first started our business and the, the amount of really good colors now um, because of tissue culture cloning, you know, the cloning process that's, being, that's been introduced into Phalaenopsis that's gotten a lot less expensive um, it's mind blowing to me, you know, a yellow Phalaenopsis today was not, is not the same as what a yellow Phalaenopsis was 15 years ago. The quality is super high. It's a lot less expensive. So we have access to really nice plants. So Phalaenopsis, I'd pick out a really nice color of Phalaenopsis, but then right after that, um, especially if you're really into plants, you kind of get the grasp of the watering, um, understanding light. There's a lot of other stuff I'd like to see, especially if you have a bright window, I'd highly recommend Catalea. That's that's a group that I got into um, early on. Um, there's a saying in orchids: not many species of orchid grow like Phalaenopsis, but a lot grow like Catalea. So I'd rather see once you got your your feet wet with orchids. I'd like to see people delve into things that will will teach you a little more about the culture and really how how these orchids grow and how these plants grow. Um, but you know that we we recommend. Um, other orchids, we get question, that question every day. You know, I, I've grown Phalaenopsis. I see these all the time. What would you recommend next? And as soon as after we've talked about light levels and the, the amount of success, we ask them, well, how are you growing your plants now? How do they grow for you? And if we get a good good vibe of like, they're growing their plants well, then let's let's go to that next step and let's introduce you into other things. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And so if you have a Phalaenopsis or what was the other one with the... Catalea. Thank you. So if you have one of those, what is, what are like best watering practices? I've heard a lot of things about just sticking in an ice cube. And I honestly have no idea if that's just like a myth or if that's actually a good thing to do. So it's something that we, we really wish would die that (laughs) it is the worst advice you could be given. Um, It is a classic example of of uh, kind of good marketing, I guess, um, by a couple of companies, we get that question daily. Mm-hmm. And um, if you if you just kind of think about this for a minute, so these are tropical plants. Mm-hmm. They 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 primarily grow up in the canopies of trees. And as plant people, we know that plants that come from equatorial regions, and especially plants that come up, grow up in the canopies of trees, 
how are they watered in, in nature? So they're watered by very, very frequent, for the most part, very, very frequent rainfall. Um, being high up in the canopy of a tree means they get the first drink of all the water. So your, your uh, you know, ground plants, you know, the, the spathophyllum or, or whatever that's down on the ground, um, they're getting actually the worst quality water. Hmm. That's why you can get away with poor, poor soils, um, lower quality tap water, you know, a lot of houseplants will tolerate these things because they grow down on the jungle floor. They also to tolerate low light levels because they grow down on the jungle floor too. Anything we think of as a traditional house plant is a ground dwelling, lower, lower to moderate light plant. Orchids are at the very top of that. And so you think about that, an ice cube is actually a, a suspended form of concentrated water. So it is, you're, you're giving your plant a very little amount of water. You're giving your plant a, probably a very um, poor quality amount of water because there's all these, these bad particles um, that are in most people's municipal water that are suspended in this ice cube. Um, and then um, on top of that, it's just, it's just way too cold. So uh, we really wish that that would die. In fact, we, we have uh, care cards that we produce for all of our plants. Very first thing it says under watering, do not use ice cubes. <laughs> um, you, now, you'd be way better off if you wanted to, I don't know why you'd want to do this, but if you wanted to use ice cubes, put it on your Dracaenas, put it on whatever, whatever other house plant um, you want to put it on, um, your Sansevierias. Um, you know, you could, you know, you could put them on there um, because what you're going to be doing is if you piled up a bunch of ice cubes on a soil substrate, you're going to get a very slow release of, of a substrate that's going to wick water better. Um, it's not going to care as much because the, the water quality is low. Um, so you'd be way better off doing that. With orchids, the number one thing we want to talk about is flushing your pot. So there's kind of two ways to look at it. Like if you have an orchid that has, you know, free draining holes, all, all orchids are going to be in a pot that has free draining holes in the bottom. If you have it in a decorative container, there's a few other considerations. But if we talk about a plant growing in a plastic pot like we do most of the time, you're going to be flushing water through the pot thoroughly, 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 um, soaking all of the roots and all of the substrate um, that we, we use to, to grow these orchids. Um, draining the pot extremely well, never allowing the pot to sit in water. Um, there, there's a, another common misconception is that orchids don't like much water. I hear this all the time. It's the absolute, totally the wrong way to think about it. Or, orchids come from tropical regions that get tropical downpour. If you think about it, they're either in regions that get lots and lots and lots of water at one time, but, or it's kind of a, a drizzle all of the time, or there might be a time of the year where rainfall is lower, but they have a, a high dew point, lots of dew collects on roots, the plant pulls in the water through, pulls in the, the dew through the roots. Um, so in either case, when you do water, there's, a, there's an old saying, you can never give an orchid too much water, but you can water it too much. What that means is that when you're watering lots and lots and lots of water, but the time between waterings, the day, you know, like, you know, watering your plant once a week, that might be too long of a period of time in the summer because your plant dried out after two or three days. And it might be too much in the winter because the days are shorter and the, the, the sun's lower in the sky. Um, and that might, and you know, the plant, the plant might take two weeks to dry out. So 
Watering is that number one thing right after sun, after we understand light levels. Um, take your pots, water them thoroughly. Sometimes in the home, I find that people will do a lot better if they soak their plants. You can totally do that. Um, you only need to soak your plant for a few minutes, you know, maybe five minutes, 10 at the most. I hear people say, oh, I soak my orchids for two week, two hours every week. That's overkill. You do, you do not need to do that. Um, what we don't want to do is choke off the oxygen to those roots. Um, because they grow up in the canopies of trees, oxygen levels are also, think about it, nothing's more airy than, than a tree canopy. You always mm -hmm. see tree leaves constantly moving. Nothing drains better than the side of a tree either. You think about that. Think about pouring a water on a tree branch. It just drains right off and the, the wind will come and dry it off. So many orchids, we want to think, what we want to think about is frequent waterings, a, a fairly quick dry down. They don't like to be wet for long periods of time. Gotcha. So it's not like, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much the best way to think about it. Um, and if you, if you can drain your pots really well, then that's a more frequent watering. If you're in a decorative container and um, you're not taking the pot out each time when you water, then make sure you at least tip the water back out so that the plant's not sitting in water. Gotcha. And so with you mentioning how they need a lot of air and good drainage, do you mm -hmm. recommend if someone is like repotting their orchid, do they, should they buy the orchid soil mix? I've seen those in stores or what soil is best for them? Hey, yes. Um, so I know you're using soil as a general term, but there's not, there's no soil component to uh, primarily with, with tropical orchids and epiphytic okay. So because they go grow up in the canopies of trees, what we want is we want a substrate that's going to give them a little bit of water retentiveness that's going to hold some water, um, but still dry fairly rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, so what we use, like we produce five different types of uh, uh, bark-based potting media. That's what's traditionally been used is in the past, it was fir bark. Um, now, since, you know, maybe probably the last 15 or 15 years or so, there's a very high quality bark that's actually from New Zealand. Um, it's, it's actually a white pine bark that is a, it's a different species of pine. We typically think of pine as a very soft wood, but it's, it, this is actually a very dense bark. It's sustainably grown. Uh, fir bark is a, is a byproduct of the lumber industry. And it was originally marketed to orchid growers as, you know, a way to, to sell off chips that they had left over. Um, it worked very, very well, but the quality is, seems to be very low nowadays, especially compared to this new product that's sustainably grown. Um, but it's a high density bark. Um, there'll be a few different grades and, uh, uh, you know, as far as, far as particle size, from small sizes about the size of pea gravel, and then all the way up to a very large size, which is you know, the size of like, say like um, a large uh, marble. Um, and then, you know, so it, it's a bark-based mixture. Um, we keep seeing, keep things very simple. So we have uh, a bark component. We use uh, perlite. Um, we use, uh, the, the size of perlite we use is extremely coarse. So if you're used to growing other plants, you usually don't come across perlite this course, but it's, you know, anywhere from the size of pea gravel all the way up to that size of a marble again. Um, and then we like to use in our orchid mix, uh, uh, Lika, lightweight, lightweight expandable clay aggregate, which a lot of plant people are, are familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, it's got really great uh, wicking properties. Um, it does not break down. It's, it's, it's a really good component. Um, so I highly recommend an orchid media. Um, 
I, I'm not just trying to sell our product, but I want to make sure that people get a good quality media. Um, a lot of box stores stuff, just like you'll have bad experiences purchasing sphagnum moss. Sphagnum moss is another good component that most orchid growers should have on hand. Mm-hmm. But you want horticulture grade New Zealand sphagnum. Most of the stuff you're going to find in a box store is going to be extremely poor quality and it's going to be of Chilean um, it's, it comes from Chile and it's, it's just not, it's not the same plant and it breaks down very rapidly into a pot, almost becomes sawdust. Um, so you just want to, if you start with a high quality component, which is not that much more expensive, then you, you repot your orchids, um, making sure that the media is nice and hydrated, um, to start with, um, understanding the pot size that you need to choose for, for repotting is also important. We always pot by um, a, a lot of uh, people when they come from other plants into orchids, that first mistake you'll make when you're repotting is, is uh, repotting in too large of a pot. Because of how orchids are watered in the wild and how they want a quick dry down, we talked about earlier, they also need, we need, we need to be very respectful of pot size. So we want to go into a, a fairly small pot because that will allow that media to dry down faster. If you take a smaller root system on an orchid and you put it into too big of a pot, the media on the interior of the pot or around the, the, the sides and the bottom stays overly wet. We re-water the plant thinking we're doing the right thing. And then we create this anaerobic situation, situation in the pot where there's not enough oxygen. And we actually cut off all the oxygen to the roots and they die. So understanding pot size, potting media, that's the, those are excellent things to understand when when we repotting and we can we answer those questions all the time we can always help people choose their you know the first pots Mm -hmm. so from your experience what would you say is the most common mistake made with orchids um the repotting thing we just talked about that's a super common mistake that we see Mm-hmm. Um, you, you want to, when you do that for, we want to encourage people. We also offer repotting services, but I want to actually want to see people repotting their own orchids. Um, it is a very rewarding experience, um, to be able to repot your own orchids, um, you know, teach a man to fish kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, the other mistake I see besides repotting mistakes is not putting your orchids in proper light. Um, you know, that's kind of number one. Uh, there's, a, there's a common misconception that, or- that orchids, and especially Phalaenopsis, because that's what people are coming into at first, are low light plants. And um, we actually here, we never use the term low light. We, um, because most of the time when people, when we say low light, I mean, I might say low light and to you, and you understand what I mean by low light, but a lot of people perceive that as no light. Mm-hmm. And so they put these plants in a dark corner um, you know, they put the, they put them in the, um, in, in a room that, you know, say like a bathroom with no windows, they, you know, you turn the light off, there's no light, not even artificial light. So, um, that's another big problem. If you're going to enjoy the orchid in a, in a space that has lower light levels, that's typically fine to enjoy it while with the life of the flowers. But once that blooming is over and we want to get the orchid repotted and, um, we really want to kickstart growth, that's going to happen in, in higher light. So I would say that's number one and two, and then understanding watering. Um, either, um, we, I mean, we've got customers who I, I think that we see their plants when they bring them back and I, they're either 
you know, sitting in water constantly, or it doesn't feel like they've even watered the plant since they got it from us, or, you know, so we could kind of, kind of break up those myths about watering and light. Um, people could grow these plants a lot easier. They'd have a lot, a much better experience growing them. Gotcha. And it, this last question, it may be a loaded question, but do you have a favorite orchid maybe just at this moment in time? Cause I'm sure it probably changes, but yeah. What's your favorite orchid? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it does. It changes um, about every week. It changes <laughs> just because um, we're, you know, I'm fortunate enough after this many years to have a few thousand plants and when you have that many, when you have that many plants, um, there's always something new blooming. And especially if you have a collection that um, is hugely diverse, you're going to see different things blooming. Now there, there's a, there's kind of an orchid season, um, which kind of starts in the cooler months of the fall. You know, orchids start to flower typically in response to the cooler nights that we get in the fall. Mm -hmm. So fall through spring and early summer are phenomenal orchid flowering months. Um, not as much flowers in the really hot days of the summer. Um, there is stuff that does flower. There, there is summer blooming orchids for sure, but fall, winter, spring is really when stuff's flowering. And so like every week there'll be something new. Um, uh, this week it's probably definitely um, still, there's, a, there's an orchid from Southeast Asia called Dendrobium anosmum. And uh, it's, a, it's a widely grown orchid, especially in, in Hawaii. A lot of uh, people have a fondness for this orchid. Um, but it smells like raspberries. It's, it's wonderful. And oh, wow. it's, it's still in bloom right now. I have, a, I have a plant I've had for about 20 years um, that just is just putting on an amazing show right now. It probably has, you know, 100, 150 flowers on it right now. Um, if you go to our Instagram, just at Orchid Dynasty, um, I highlight a lot of the plants that we bloom seasonally and you'll be able to kind of like, like see, and I, I posted that one just a, a couple of posts back. You, you could see it. It's um, um, I'm, the, the plant I have is what we call the alba form or the albino form. So it's the pure white form of a normally pink flower. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's beautiful. So that's, what's awesome this week, but, but you know, next week is definitely going to be something <laughs> different. So Oh, it yeah. sounds beautiful. Yeah. I'm going to have to go and check that out on your Instagram, which kind of brings me to my last question I have for you. Where you mentioned you have your Orchid Dynasty on Instagram. Is there anywhere else we can like follow you and your company yeah. and Orchid Care? Sure. Um, yeah, Orchid Dynasty on the Instagram is definitely where the, we're the most active. So just at Orchid Dynasty, that's O-R-C-H-I-D. D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y. And then we also have orchiddynasty.shop, which is, which is kind of like highlights our store. Um, I am a, I'm an orchid lover, but I'm also a plant lover. So we, we grow and sell all kinds of different plants, all, you know, all, all tropical house plants. Um, yeah, and I, I really invite anybody, if you haven't been by to come by, um, because, you know, it, it, like I said, I'm just a plant person period, but with a, with a focus on orchids. Um, but there, definitely our website, just orchiddynasty.com. Um, you know, we, we, we uh, kind of strive to be really good at everything we do. We want to kind of, we want to understand if we sell a plant, we know how to grow this plant. 
Um, that's, that's what we are. We're actual growers. So we're going to have, you know, good advice for anybody in the public or any plants you're looking for, you know, whether doesn't matter what kind of plant it is. Um, but yeah, those are the two number one place or the three places to follow us are two Instagrams and then our, our website. Um, and then also just, you know, on a day-to-day basis, the other stuff that we do that my wife Shelly is involved in is, you know, the, the fresh flower side too. We do, we, we do a lot on that side. She handles all of that. I handle all the plants and orchids and, um, it's, it's been successful. Yeah. Like I said, 20 years and, but yeah, I invite anybody who hasn't come down, please, please come on down. Awesome. It sounds like you and your wife are just like a power plant couple. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, it's funny. It's hard to work with your spouse, but you make it work. Yeah. Well, I normally have my spouse on this podcast. He's out watching our boys, but yeah, it's, it's always fun being able to, you know, work with them, but comes with challenges as well. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Clint, for your time, for coming on to our podcast and just sharing your knowledge and your love of plants. I, I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, or Pocket Cast. Also, you can follow us at Tinny Plants on Instagram, Pinterest, or YouTube. Once again, that's Tenny Plants, T-E-N-N-E-Y Plants. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcast episodes, email us at tennyplants at gmail.com. Or if you're on YouTube, go ahead and comment below and don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time.